All right, so with the ascension of Jesus Christ, I think that there was a lot here that I, I mean, it's things that we read all the time, but I hadn't sat down and pondered and considered and, and things. I, I really loved <laughs> these short few verses that, um, that we have of his ascension, but um, just kind of diving into that, that first one there in Luke, I think that there's a lot of interesting tidbits that um, that I had passed over before. So I, I would like to just kind of read it and then uh, talk about it for a second. Uh, it says, and he led them out as far as to Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple, praising and blessing God. Amen. And so I, I find it interesting that um, I'd never really pictured the ascension in my brain. It was just, I don't know, an event that happened. But um, the fact that he was lifting up his hands and, and in the act of blessing them as he is actually uh, ascending and being carried up into heaven, it gives more of a, a richness, a nuance to it that uh, I hadn't really considered before. And um, likewise, in the Americas, he's he's doing a, a similar thing, but um, I, I totally had skipped over the fact that his ascension was from Bethany, um, and that afterwards they went and and were in the temple uh, praising and blessing God. I, I had not considered any of these things, so I don't know who my Sunday school teachers were, but I'm just kidding. <laughs> I just never pictured it. But anyway. Um, what things stood out to you in that verse or, or any of the other verses about the Ascension? What um, did you learn this week? Okay, if nobody else wants to talk, I'll talk. <laughs> <laughs> well, the first thing I thought when I read that was that he was blessing him by lifting up his hands. And that, of course, isn't how we're used to to blessing it's certainly not how the prophet or apostles leave blessings on us so that was interesting but it reminded me of um how you see traditional protestant not protestant but born again christians pray right so that kind of caught my attention but then i thought it was interesting that as he was blessing him that he was carried up into heaven and then this was the big thing um after his ascension this is what i wrote after his ascension they were continually in the temple why to commune with him and then i looked up commune and it says to converse talk together familiarly in private or in familiar discourse and so you know, the fact that they were like, they were with great joy and continually in the temple, praising and blessing God to commune with him. And oh. then it made me think about my temple worship. Yeah. I love that. All the temples that are being built. And then like, I just signed up for, um, ceilings tomorrow and like the whole day is open and it was like it usually is for ceilings 
Yeah. And I just, it kind of made me sad. You know, I didn't look at endowments. Um, but I know last time I went and did an endowment, the early morning was filled, which I didn't want to go early morning since I have to drive so far. But then after that, everything, there were plenty of seats open in Rexburg. And it just, I don't know. I keep, I keep being astonished with how many temples the Lord's blessing us with when we don't use them the way that we could. Mm -hmm. And when we go, do we praise and bless him? Or do we always go with heavy hearts? Or thinking, can't wait till this is done. How much longer? <laughs> I got things to do, places to be. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is interesting, isn't it? Are we missing are we missing the temple even when we attend? Yeah. Missing the um, opportunities that are there for us. And uh, like some of the nuance of, of that scripture being that the apostles went into hiding, right? I mean their their leader had just been crucified and, and everything. And yet um instead of being in hiding after he ascended. They went with great joy and were in the temple continually. Like I thought that, that was just an interesting um, tidbit there of what kind of power and protection did they have so that they wouldn't be ostracized or attacked or, uh, you know, trumped up on, on different charges or anything. But, um, but, but like you said, um, are we going to the temple for the right reasons? Because these obviously were they were going with great joy and they were praising and blessing god they were um they were getting it kind of a thing and i thought that was a interesting part of that verse that i've always overlooked i like that you know <clears throat> in the earlier class that we had at five uh you were saying that um joseph smith when he uh, was martyred that he raised his hands up in that same position as when Jesus ascended that chose where did you get that from um remember. a source to it kind of a thing but um I think it was one of the the witnesses there who were the the two that didn't came out alive the what? John Taylor and, and who's the other one? Uh, who's with, them? Richards. Richards, yeah. Yeah. That's that's um, so in, that's so interesting to me that that. Yeah, but think about it. If you go back and look at the facsimiles, Abraham's laying down with his hands raised up, also. Mm -hmm. Yeah, many Christian art uh, depicts praising and blessing and, and prayer that way. We're just so kind of far from it, yet should we be? I mean, our, our temple uh, definitely has different, um, not illusions, because they're more than illusions, but um, things in that direction. <laughs> my word <laughs> escaped my brain. What was I trying to figure out? But well yeah, we, have the part that we can't talk about but well yeah, yeah but like different i guess depictions or or scenes of it kind of a thing mm -hmm. 
That's interesting. Well, then doesn't it make you wonder, is there another way that we should be praying in private? I'm not saying to, to not the way that we pray in the temple. I'm just yeah. saying there's a lot of people that pray with their hands raised up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I know I often do when I'm in, in just a private scenario or in my closet. <laughs> mm -hmm. but yeah, which is an interesting one. Um, I don't know if I mentioned that to this group at all. I, I'm trying to get a, a schedule organized with this one lady. So at the Sperry Symposium, there was this, um, uh, this woman that, that presented on the importance and, and symbolism of the Lord's Prayer as a, oh, how did she word it? I'm going to butcher it, but paraphrasing, as um, an important way to restructure the way that we ask for blessings and and break our, our previous cycle. So he's going through Sermon on the Mount, Beatitudes, and all of these things saying, here's the old way, here's the new way. And he's giving us a, a new way. And uh, anyway, her talk focused on the importance of the closet in our our prayers and, and how that's a, a new way and how it's a holy of holies type experience. Um, it's where we go to get dressed in the proper garments and and make uh, obeisance and, uh, and sacrifice of, of our lives and, and to enter into his presence while in our closets kind of a thing. Anyway, so uh, she agreed to come on and uh, give her presentation to, to us and stuff. I'm, I'm finding a date that can work for us. But um, anyway, so interesting of the power and patterns of prayer that we have all over scripture, uh, you know, much like uh, some of these that are here, even with the Ascension. But I don't know, we just kind of overlook them because we have our, our set mode of fold your arms, bow your head, this is the way we pray, <laughs> kind of a thing. Was that just the old Protestant way ingrained in us? Yeah, I don't know. Because <laughs> it's it's definitely there, isn't it? It's so ingrained. Like, I remember when I was little, even seeing, like, Christian art that, like, you pray like this or whatever, and I was like, ooh, that's so, that's so weird. <laughs> but yet, there, there's lots of interesting symbolism uh, just in that posture, too. But yeah, anyway, it, it was interesting how that came up a, a couple times in the Ascension that I never really thought about. Then, pattern of prayer. Then the question comes, does the Lord really care our stance when we pray as much as the words that we pray? Mm -hmm. Yeah. At you least at home, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, was that... In this group, I can't remember, but we talked about um, the old pioneer um, homes. A lot of pioneer homes had prayer altars in the home. Did they? No, we didn't talk about that. No, um, I, I still, I, I'm going to write it down because <laughs> I need to find that, that reference. Because I've seen the pamphlet. They even had like instructions on how to build the prayer altar for your home. There's a lot of people that had altars in scriptures, right? In their homes. Or they went to altars to pray. There's yeah.
some that have talked about today building altars in your homes, but I did not know pioneers had them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, especially after they came west, a lot of the Salt Lake Valley uh, homes had prayer altars and they would pass out the, the flyers on, you know, different ideas and templates or patterns to, to actually build them. But they were discontinued in, in the 20s-ish, I, I believe. I didn't need to find my article on it that I read, but um, and also our, our stake buildings had altars in them as well in the high council room. Just little tidbits. <laughs> um, so in John 20, 17, this was also another uh, interesting one that I've, I've heard different commentaries on it and everything, but uh, I had never actually done the, the word study for myself. So um, I wanted to kind of be nerdy and <laughs> do a word study with you real quick on um, when he is um, showing himself to, to Mary uh, Magdalene there in the tomb, the touch me not phrase. Um, you know, everybody has their different takes and, and opinions on it and everything, but just interesting on, on the word study here. So in the Greek, um, this is on Bible Hub, the one I, I use all the time. It says, do not cling to me, Jesus said, for I have not ascended to the Father. So that cling to verb is um, has some interesting little nuances here. Was that temple imagery? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, so to, to fasten to, to, to lay hold of, to touch, to know carnally, and also it, has, it can have a reflexive, which is to pr attach oneself properly to or to touch. And then another interesting nuance is, because that's with Strong's uh, lexicon, where that's just comparing Bible verses to each other to figure out words. And um, if you use like Liddell and Scott's lexicon, this one is taking the Bible and comparing the words to other Greek um, pieces like the Iliad or the Odyssey or, or things like that, right? And so in here, it gave an interesting thing um, along with that, that word to cling or to touch. And um, it is to fasten or fix upon um, an object to one's body or to, um, to cling closely to. And, and the, the example that it gives is that his shield was fastened to him and clung so closely as for dear life, like his life depended upon this shield kind of a thing. And so, I don't know, when I read that, I was thinking, I don't know, just trying to imagine the scenario. So Mary Magdalene has, has went through a rough few days, right, at, with everyone. And they, they've lost their master, and she thinks that they have taken his body and, and probably desecrated it, or who knows what even additional implications so that they were possibly married and and so you know like this is uh possibly her husband's body that she is worried for and um when she finally recognizes and realizes that it's him running and embracing him so fully like as if it's her shield that her life depends on like 
and and he's uh, just reverently saying, you know, cling to me. Not, I can't stay here. You know that that this changes everything. I have to ascend to my father. I can't stay here. I can't be who I used to to be for you. But um, anyway, it just gave some some different nuanced, some different ideas, uh, whether or not those things um, apply or, or, or feel, but um, it's just interesting that that word touch can have lots of different meanings and, and nuance as we look at lexicons and, and at the original language of, uh, of the New Testament. So the one that said carnally, don't you think she would have tried kissing him too? Yeah, I mean, even so, if they were married, you know, uh, definitely a, uh, a normal type of salutation kind of a thing. And, and even in many other cultures besides our own here in the United States, but, you know, uh, greeting with a kiss and, and things, I, I don't see that that would be abnormal at all in, in that type of a situation. Yeah. Anyway, it was just one that, you know, I've heard different commentators and stuff like that the touch is, is maybe not the, the most correct word uh, to translate there, but I'd never done the, the word study myself. And I thought that was just really interesting. What well, um, verse was that? I remember reading it, but I don't remember which verse. It was. Uh, it's the, the last one there on that first page. So it's John 20, verse 17. Can we talk about John 14, 12? Yeah, for sure. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. That's talking about us. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, Have yeah. you ever considered yourself and put yourself in the ascension? <laughs> well, no, it says we can do greater works than he shall do. We can do greater works. And then President Nelson tells us we're living far below our privilege. And we go, how? How? Because look at what Christ did. The works that I do shall he do also. Who's he? He that believeth on me. So whatever works he did or would do, we can do. But even greater works than that. What's greater than healing the blind, the lame? raising the dead. Yeah. <laughs> what great can we do? Because I go into my father, so then he's relying on us to do those works. In yeah. his Isn't that so interesting with a context of uh, Isaiah and, and his ladder to heaven and, and things now? Like, I understand that a little bit better. I think that, huh. As, as one ascends, so do those that, that he's ministering to, and, and we are to, to follow in footsteps and um, become saviors on Mount Zion, proxy saviors. And it's so interesting that it's been there all along. You know, we've probably quoted that a million times, but I never understood it until now. No, because of course we think greater works than these shall he do. We're reading it with a capital H. Mm -hmm. That we'll do those greater works. That's how we read it. We don't go back 
and say that he is he that believeth on me. So the believers, we just go greater works than these he shall do. And then we read because I go unto my father and we think, oh, that's Christ. Mm -hmm. And that's to help aid in getting all of the children back to the father. But like the like President Nelson tells us the the gathering on both sides of the veil. These there's no more important work than we can be engaged in. Yeah. Helping save everyone. Yeah. Speaking of kind of that kind of a, a language and, and things over in uh, on the next page, uh, Neil quote there. I found this very interesting. So I'm just going to read it, but kind of looking for covenant type language or uh, specifically like Davidic covenant, uh, suzerain vassal um, treaty here. It says soon after the resurrection and ascension of Jesus, the apostle Peter taught. Let all know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. The listeners were stricken in their hearts and asked Peter and the others, men and brethren, what shall we do? And they subsequently obeyed Peter's teachings with gladness. I hope that we also are stricken in our hearts to acknowledge the Savior, repent and obey with gladness. And so just like we were talking here that um as one ascends so do those that um are are following or uh, being disciples of and it, when it says and they subsequently obeyed peter's teachings with gladness so the peter had previously been receiving instructions from from the master and now peter is helping a new group um receive the the teachings with gladness and so when they obey they can receive the same blessings and um as we're talking with um the suzerain vassal uh, type language there that um that as we become proxy saviors we are helping others along their covenant path and uh often uh helping them with certain aspects of the law as we obey fuller aspects of the law in order to um to help them in the mercy justice process i don't know if i explained that very well but <laughs> anyway that really stood out to me having come from a, an isaiah background that um, that language is is there even in um right after the ascension with peter and and those who are obeying um, his teachings with gladness Um, and so what is this? And read these two talks, the one by Elder Amato and the one by Marriott. Mm -hmm. And they want to go to those conference talks and go read those. Because those yeah. were... I'm like, this is just a little bit, but I, I want to know more. What, what am I missing? Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. I love those. And so what is the, the link that you posted here? That is BYU speeches. And it was just given, I guess, yesterday. Oh, but uh -huh. oh I took it down. It's called like the cover. Let me pull it back up. Um, 
Oh, it's going to start. Design for Covenant Relationships. And it's by Janet Jacob Erickson. But she talks about um, Christ, that God wants nothing more than to be in a covenantal relationship with us, that nothing makes him happier than that. But she talks about families, spouses. Um, she talks about all different kinds of covenant relationships that we have. And then talks about our relationship with the Lord. And I don't know, when she was talking about that covenant, like there's nothing that makes God happier than to be in a covenant relationship with us. How he longs to be in a covenantal relationship. And then it made me go back to all those scriptures that talk about we're nothing more. We're not any better than the dirt. We're not, you know, we can't do anything for ourselves. We can only do things because God lets us do it. And yet man is nothing. And yet there's nothing that makes him happier than to be in a covenantal relationship with us. It was just a really, really good talk. Mm -hmm. yeah. about, talking about covenantal relationship. It made me think of that. So it reminds me like, of a lot of Hosea and and everything that we studied this week that that importance of that covenant relationship. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um. When we were studying Sunday for this. Uh, on Acts 1.11, um, someone's asking, ye men is saying this to the, the apostles, ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner, as ye have seen him go into heaven. And I go to Cameron, and I go, Who's saying that to them? I couldn't remember. And then uh, Cameron says, well, let's look at the verses preceding that. And in verse 10, it says, and while they looked steadfastly towards heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. And when we read that, I remembered the, the, pit, the picture does the, the, of the ascension, at least the one I'm thinking of, has those two standing there in white. And, uh, and then that just triggered my memory. I remembered at Education Week, I learned who those two were. And, and I remembered that those two are the same two that were at the tomb as angels mm -hmm. and i couldn't remember who they was and but i knew i had so i went to my notes from education week and i didn't know which year couldn't remember but it was the first book of notes that i got out i found it and it was moses and elijah that are those two men there and they uh luke makes a point of bringing out those two men. They're the same one and the same ones that were at the Mount of Transfiguration. And I guess they're 
were called to be witnesses of all those events, but it said that um, Moses was representing the law and Elijah was representing the prophets. So you have the law and the prophets there. Oh, I, I love that. I have a whole article on that. I've got to read, but I thought that was really interesting. That's super interesting. What is that scripture? That all these things lay on, hang on the law and the prophets? Uh-huh. All these what? Yep. Sayings. All these sayings. Re- on all these sayings hang the law and the prophets. Isn't that what it is? Yeah, I'm looking it up really quick. Um, so this is Matthew 22, 40. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So that's interesting. Both of them appeared to Joseph Smith and mm-hmm. gave those things. And some people have speculated that they're the two prophets that will be there in Jerusalem fighting, you know, um, as translated beings. In, Who just pretend uh, to be dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, a translated being gets to choose when they lay down their life, you know. And for some reason, they've been, well, we know some of the reasons. They've, uh, they they played a great part of the Mount of Transfiguration because they still have their bodies. Mm-hmm. And they were able to lay their hands on uh, Peter, James, and John and uh, give them the keys that they needed. And... Um, Anyway, those two together, you know, it wouldn't surprise me. But I don't I don't have anything to base that on other than but I I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, it's very interesting. I remember interesting. That, um Elder Cook's talk was uh very geared toward that and oh what is the name of that talk? I should just memorize it already because <laughs> I reference it all the time. But um he gave it there that you know um in April uh 2018 he's it was in the very first one. I mm-hmm. thought it was October, but I could be wrong. Um, no, I think, I but when think... he gave a report on how we are doing with the, the threefold mission of the church and the keys that uh, Elijah's Elijah and Elias brought or whatever. Anyway, I had up until that point, like I knew that they were important, but I didn't get their full significance and stuff until that talk. And I was studying and pouring over that talk for months. Um, but yeah, the, the, the law and the prophets, and then this Elias figure who we, just don't know anything about but we do because if you really study his talks and his footnotes then then you see a lot of um davidic servant imagery uh, coming forth with with the elias figure i remember it was in the afternoon session yeah because it's after we learned all the changes that those big changes about the in the priesthood session and about the 
um, changing that up to elder score and president being overall the priesthood. And then the changes in the, on Sunday of the, yeah, here's a link to listing teaching and ministering and what is this link to? To that talk that I was referencing. I just had to go find the link. So I've got it. So I read it again this week. I'm probably memorized parts of it. But um Is it prepared to meet God, the name yeah. of it? Yeah, prepared to meet God. Oh. And I mean, honestly, I didn't quite get the full meaning at the time, but every single conference after gets a little bit closer and a little bit more meaning to it but but seriously what is president or, or elder cook talking about in his thing prepare to meet god and he he gives a return and report of how the church is doing in its preparations to meet god and he's like okay moses elias elijah and and here's where we've what we've done and here's what we have left to do and and it shows how close we are to his second coming it's such an interesting talk great i'm not going to be able to sleep tonight yeah so many homework assignments <laughs> what homework do you got for tomorrow <laughs> oh my gosh well on that same scripture that um darlene was talking about your mom was talking about um i kind of wrote this down i said the angels ask they basically ask, what are you doing just standing around here for? There's work to get done and prepare the world for his return, which is kind of what you're saying, Elder mm -hmm. Cook said. And then it took me to Acts. And then when I went to Acts 1-9, just up above it, they were given power, they were given a purpose, and they were given a plan. And, mm -hmm. then, and then it was like, okay, now what are you doing standing around here? What are you doing? And so I thought that was kind of interesting and just kind of, it was kind of funny, kind of cute. But then the question is, what are we doing? Yeah, we also doing? have power, a purpose, and a plan. So what are we just doing? Are we just standing around? I love that. Or yeah. are we working that purpose and that plan? Yeah. So good. There, there's a lot to be said for these different types of experiences after the ascension, after the 40 days, when when people return to what they were doing before, or they just need a little reminder, okay, now go get to work. <laughs> a little nudge in that, in that direction. Like how many times do we need that of, okay, you've, you've been endowed with power and, and we have a purpose and a plan. Uh, oftentimes those are revealed very personally to us and how we sometimes are, are gazing into heaven like, but really, <laughs> or we return to fishing or, or whatever, but um, really getting to work and, and getting it done, because like all of these um, help us realize that he's ascended. Now we too must ascend to help others um, in in their journey and their covenant path. You asked how long we need, how often we need to be reminded. And my answer is apparently every six months. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Hey, wake up get to work because <laughs> isn't that kind of what we're told like okay guys get your power okay mm -hmm. guys remember you have power okay go to the temple <laughs> <laughs> yeah. anyway we just keep getting told 
um, in the Ephesians 4, 8 through 10, I thought, I thought it was interesting um, when it says, wherefore he saith. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you that who he saith this was. I should have gone back and looked. But I did look at, it says, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. And I must have looked at the um, footnote because it took you to Psalms 818. And that is a direct quote from Psalms, which I thought was interesting because how often were there always direct quotes from Old Testament prophets? Yeah. Um, in Christ ministering and doing those kind of things. So I just thought it was interesting that even on his ascension, there was a quote from Psalms. Hmm. And then because it has a question mark. Okay. It says now that he ascended and this, I think this part was even, oh, maybe not now that he ascended, what is it? But that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth. There's a question mark. What are the lower parts of the earth? Is he talking about spirit prison? But that's not earth. So what is the lower part of the earth? And I kind of chuckled and thought, well, those people that say that there's a hollow earth, maybe that's the lower part of the <laughs> earth. <laughs> but that's where the 10 tribes are. I don't, I don't know. But I just, I just put a question mark. What are the lower parts of the earth? Hey, you should look that up in Greek and see what the real Yeah, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> like, I, I'm too curious now to even... Let's see. Okay, Bible. Because um, are we talking about? Um, let's see. Is it Antarctica? Are we talking about South <laughs> America and Australia? Like, what are the lower parts of the Earth? Yeah, four, and we are in eight. So, isn't the spirit prison? here on the earth i mean the spirit world is that yeah i don't know actually i think it's verse 10 it might it's i think it might be verse 10 okay um wait no there it is the lower parts of the earth there it is comparative from what does that say caddo or inferior uh-huh so inferior or the part portion division or share so yeah let's look at this lower so it's strong's 2737 and it's only used once in the whole Bible. right that's not helpful so let me uh it's going to take me a second so talk about yourself <laughs> this other lexicon <laughs> because you have to know the greek alphabet and what comes before what and stuff but let, i've got to look this up because seriously what does that mean the lower part I don't and I thought it was cute that there was a question mark because I have a lot of questions about that little phrase. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So while you look it up, I'll just talk about the quote from Joseph Smith. Mm -hmm. I love that he said that concerning Jesus Christ, that he died, was buried and rose again the third day and ascended into heaven. And all other things which pertain to our religion are only appendages to it. Like I love that. everything, everything, I guess that we've been studying Isaiah, everything. I mean, Isaiah talks of Christ, but is everything else just an appendage and 
are worrying about how to pray and all of that, does it not matter because the only thing that matters is Christ? Or does it mean, I don't know. What does it mean to you guys? Okay, I, I found it. I've got it bookmarked or whatever. Repeat the very last part because I was following along for a lot and then I my brain trailed off at the end when I found well, it. I was just asking like, is everything else, like everything we've been studying, is that all appendages? All that really matters is Jesus Christ and our testimony of him. Yeah. Like that's all that matters. Everything we hear in conference, like while they're good and it's incredible, I mean, they all point us to Christ, right? Mm -hmm. But we just not need to worry about, like we just need to worry. I don't know. And yet we need to be a part of his work. I know that. Mm -hmm. yeah that's a very good but question it's just interesting that everything else is an appendage like if we know nothing else we need to know about jesus christ and have our testimony in him mm -hmm. yeah. so anyways i just like that joseph smith quote okay tell us what you found about the lower parts of the earth yes the mystery so of of the kingdom <laughs> <laughs> there's a few different things, you know, like with anything, you know, there's like little variations in the ways it's conjugated and stuff. So I'm going to kind of work my way through a couple of these. Um, so one version of it is that it's embedded in the earth or buried so that he was actually entombed and, and came forth kind of a thing. Um, in, in a pit or a cavern is, is often the, the usage in other Greek literature. Another version of it means the lowest, that they descended below all things, um, that there was nothing in which they weren't tested in kind of a thing. And then uh, another one is that it is a lower part of time and uh, kind of it gives like you know how we use the bottom of the hour or the last watch or or, or something mm -hmm. like that there there is a connotation of time in one of those variations and um so it's kind of like an idiom uh-huh yeah um and then another one the, the final one here is that it's further downwards or lower than any depths previously obtained. Well, remember when he was baptized, he was baptized in the lowest part. Mm -hmm. Oh. So anyway, coming back to Ephesians and, and reading that kind of with some of those in context here. So wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. <laughs> now that he ascended what is it but that he also descended first into the lowest parts of the earth the lower that parts descended, uh -huh. that he descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens that he might fill all things so, so it does kind of say that he like descended below all and ascended above mm -hmm. which i i hadn't taken that before like i don't know <laughs> how many times did i read that this week ephesians 4 8, 10, but i didn't get that out of it for some reason that that's hit me a way more tonight all right so 
if anybody wants that reference, it's on page 368 and 369. 368, 369 of Briggs. Let's, or no, this is Liddell and Scott. Oh, shoot. Okay. And I did not understand he led captivity captive. I don't get that. Mm -hmm. Can you translate uh, that for me? Yes. I gave <laughs> gifts on demand, but captivity captive. I was like, I don't know what that means. Let me see if um, this verse has a different translation on that at all. I kind of felt like he let the captive go. All men are captive, right? But that doesn't seem... I, I was so, kind of confused. I think it's kind of like another way of saying that he conquered death because death is always a conqueror, right? And so mm -hmm. that he conquered the conqueror or led captivity captive so that those things that hold us captive, he's the one that put it into captivity. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Oh, and look right after that, now that he ascended, what is it? But he also descended. So it's telling us that right there first into the lower parts of earth and then also that that ascended up far above so it's telling it's like prefacing it and then like repeating it <laughs> yeah so in the the greek here um it doesn't necessarily say he led captivity captive but um he led the captives away is a, a transliteration of it so like a word for word um yeah. type of a thing so king james is the one that says that he led captivity captive when it doesn't right. necessarily say that it means it means say that again what it was in the he led captives away let me pop that up on the screen so that you know i'm not just blowing smoke <laughs> i know you're not i'm just kidding but yeah he led captives away which is what I thought, like he let, he made the captive captives, which is all mankind free, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is that what it is? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So many fun little <laughs> tidbits. Okay, I only had one more thing to say. <laughs> All right. <laughs> December, uh, December, DNC 20, 21 to 24. I just underlined, he suffered temptations, but gave no heed unto them. And I just thought, what an example to us that he gave no heed to the persecutions, the accusations, any afflictions, like none of that. Like he wasn't sidetracked. Like how often do we get sidetracked? Or um, what's the word? Um, there's another word. I can't think what it is. Maybe it'll come to me. He knew his purpose and he focused his whole life on it. He never deviated. Like, how often does Satan get us to deviate or, you know, choose, you know, yeah, just get us 
sidetracked away from what we should be doing, which is what Joseph Smith said, Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. We just get sidetracked with other things, which is, I guess, why at the time President Uchtdorf gave the talk about Simplify. Yeah. Because we Which just is probably the advice away. I need every day. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just, we get we just get sidetracked by the unimportant things, but they seem important. They feel important, but if not if it's keeping us from staying on track. And I just love that example. He suffered temptations, but he gave no heed to them. Like how often do we complain about things that happen to us? Mm-hmm. He was just like, ah, whatever. It was like a mosquito. He just, whatever. (laughs) Or a fly, whatever. And it just kept coming back. And he just, he gave no heed to it. Yeah. Even though he knew it was coming. Yeah, I love that. Kind of like we talked about earlier with um, the men of Galilee gazing up into heaven, returning to their nets kind of a thing. Like, Yes, but you have been called to a, a work now and, and don't get distracted. There you go. We went full circle. We're back to the beginning. So I guess we're done. <laughs> <laughs> have you guys ever noticed that when you get to the beginning where you started? It's like, oh, I guess we're done. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Do you guys want to talk about any of the other ones? Um, One thing that somebody... I think it was Tracy in group A um, brought up in 3 Nephi 18 39 that word overshadowed was kind of interesting and mm-hmm. so um, she had mentioned that she looked it up in the I believe it was her it, <laughs> anyway um, in the the Webster's dictionary so I thought this was very interesting so overshadow um, so overshadow kind of also hinting towards uh, when Mary was overshadowed in um, uh, any ascension there. Um, so to to throw a shadow over, to overshade, um, to shelter, to protect, or to cover with protecting influence. Uh, anyway, I thought those were very interesting. Um, like plug each of those back into here and uh, in their Nephi. And while they were overshadowed, he departed from them. So there's something, maybe his, you know, his glory, his resurrected state, um, something, and to to shelter, protect, or cover with a protecting influence. Um, it just kind of gave a little bit uh, different nuance to it that I hadn't considered before. Um, I just looked up at First Timothy three sixteen, like. I don't know why I didn't mark anything on that. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up in glory. I don't know. I just think that was, it made me think of that word godliness. What is it in DNC? God, godliness is manifest. Yeah. Um, now that I'm put on the spot, I can't think of it. I know, I can't think of it but either, yeah. but I know it's in DNC. That's in, pretty impressive <laughs> for me. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Oh, 
shoot. In the ordinances thereof, godliness is made manifest. Is that what it is? Uh -huh, yeah, in the ordinances thereof, the power of godliness is made manifest. Yeah. And here it's the mystery of godliness. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Hmm. Wonder if that goes together. Yeah. Between the mystery and power. I, I've got to look that one up because there, all of a sudden, there's ringing different phrases in my ears that are forming connections. Okay. About so, godliness? Yeah. The, uh, the made manifest. We should just all just study together. <laughs> I know. Just every day we just do it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, DNC eighty four twenty through twenty one. Opening it up. Just a second. Okay. So therefore, in the ordinances thereof, the power of godliness is manifest, and without the ordinances thereof and the authority of the priesthood, the power of godliness is not manifest unto men in the flesh. So, First Timothy here talks about manifesting in the flesh as well. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, and without great er, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached. I'm sorry, that was the eighty-eight. What? Um, eighty-four. Eighty-four. I put eighty-eight twenty-four. Yeah, eighty-four twenty through twenty-one. I mean, both before and after is is very applicable i mean it all kind of flows together but those are the ones where it's actually talking about it but i have never connected those two scriptures before i don't think but look in 19 it says and holdeth the key of the mysteries of the kingdom yeah even the key of the knowledge of god which then takes you back to godliness and you come over here who has the keys of the mystery of the kingdom and the knowledge of god jesus christ And, and none of these footnotes are referencing Timothy. Like, they're so alike. How are they not? Yeah. Huh. I've, that one's blowing my mind because I, I think that there's a lot more connection. Like, one is help, helping unlock the other. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I don't mean to get super distracted. And No, because, I like distraction my, because it kind of jumped out at me and i don't it didn't jump out I'm at glad me it did because holy cow okay because when i read that i didn't even think of this scripture until now uh <laughs> you're gonna see how dumb my brain works sometimes i'm pulling both of those scriptures up so that i can do them side by side we'll look at them together just a second <laughs> i hate studying on the fly because you'll see how weird i am Okay, here's that. 
Well, and then it goes into 22 for without this, no man can see the face of God, even the father and live. Yeah. That's in DNC 84. Okay. <laughs> Took me a second to get it copied and pasted. Yeah. Okay, so as we are highlighting our colors, <laughs> so godliness, let's put that in yellow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can just put it in yellow. It was just pick a random color. Okay. Okay, godliness is yellow. And mystery manifest, let's do in blue. Why is my thing not working? There we go. Any other words that? Are you building a chiasm? I, possibly, but this is how I always start. I start by color coding like phrases and, and words and stuff, and then going into that. Well, we have godliness and manifest in 21. Mm -hmm. And you have justification in one in one and sanctification in the other. Yeah. And there's also mystery in verse 19. Was there just oh, no. like, the justification sanctification? So justified here mm -hmm. and sanctified up in the other one? Bottom. 23. Yeah. 23. All the way in the bottom. So let's do those in a green. Sanctify. And then you have mystery in 19 on the second line, and you have mystery right there. Okay. Red and 19 mystery. Right there. Received in glory. See, glory, it's not used there, but it's kind of referenced with in 22 all of 22 kind of yeah is glory right to see the face of god uh-huh so yeah like oh you've got face of god there and you've got it in 22 also 22 and 23 face of god okay and without oh, you have flesh, you have flesh oh, right flesh. there. And then you have flesh at the end of verse 21. 21 flesh. That's an important one there. Oh, yeah. Manifested in the flesh. Manifested in the flesh. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm going to put that all in that same color. Okay, so, and without controversy, which is interesting way to, to say it, right? Where, so it's undeniable. Like there's no debate. <laughs> yeah, this is it. Great is the mystery of godliness. And here we have mystery of the kingdom, even the knowledge of God. And I always thought, I've, I've 
always had a different interpretation of knowledge of God until this little thing here. So like knowledge of God, meaning not um, all of his mysteries, like the whole um, library of God, but this is more of a knowledge as in Adam knew his wife type of a thing, like the knowledge of God. Oh yeah. Like knowing God. Yeah. Not okay. just his brain, but here it is an actual covenant relationship actually being yeah. intimate in, in that covenant. Right. Okay. So therefore in the ordinances thereof, the power of godliness is manifest in the flesh, manifest in the flesh. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> Tell us what you just thought. Well, I'm just like seeing this in a whole new light. I, I've always had different uh, preconceptions of every single one of these words and phrases. And now that I'm looking at them with Timothy in mind, I don't know why this has changed it so much for me, but like, huh. Somebody needs to write correlation and tell them they need to connect these two verses together. <laughs> no, like, where are your footnotes? <laughs> okay. So, like, all ordinances are a death scene, right? So every ordinance has a death, a burial, and a resurrection. It, all ordinances have water, blood, and spirit. But I have never once i don't know why because here it's it's plainly talking that in the ordinances thereof the power of godliness is manifest and and we're we're talking not a death thing we are talking a marriage we're, we're talking a an entrance into a covenant relationship I mean, I, I think it applies both ways, right? I mean, there's there's importance in the death, burial, resurrection thing, but but the ordinances as every ordinance is a marriage. Um, how do I say that? Is consummating the marriage? It's consummating the marriage contract that we are overshadowed, much like Mary was overshadowed. And this is a mystery of godliness or how to be one with God, how to, how to become his one flesh with him. For without this marriage contract or the ordinance, no man can see the face of God. And now this Moses plain, oh, plainly taught and without controversy or connecting as oh, well. Yeah, I didn't even connect those. But also, he taught this to the children of Israel, and down here, oh, preached it's preached among the Gentiles. So you got like the Israel, and you got the Gentiles down here. Like opposites, huh? Ooh, oh my gosh. So it's kind of like the first will be last, and the last will be first, right? You've got those two in there. So it's interesting though. Well, I guess it is. 
I say it's interesting in the new scripture that it's the children of Israel and the old scripture, it's the Gentiles, but that's because it's flipped. I still think that there's more that I'm, I'm not quite focused in on, but like my brain now is going, okay, so now that we've got these colors, is there a pattern in the colors that we can do chiastic, which I'm, this, I'm not really the sure. The scripture in DNC, or the, this, these scriptures that you have pulled up have always been a mystery. Yeah, right? I mean, they themselves are like, a mystery. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> I don't even get this. And, you know, and then our CS guy over all of South Texas, I put notes down that he said, and he just taught that it was priesthood ordinances and without the priesthood, we can't, you know, it seems very superficial to me, but just when I looked down at Timothy and that word godliness just jumped out at me and it reminded me of the scripture. Okay. So not to, Take us off in a different direction but like here's doctrine and covenants and here's first timothy and they're both teaching the exact same thing and i i where the footnote isn't even referencing first timothy let me go back here like where does moses plainly teach this um oh well i just read that last week so we have oh, let's see keys mysteries i'm, I'm just wondering if like let's pull in the Moses one and see if it adds new depth to it as well. Oh, here's another one. So a footnote for John 14 manifest might play into it. Oh, here we go. So, <laughs> click on Moses and it would probably <laughs> give us one. <laughs> Good, now this Moses yeah. plainly taught. Okay. Peculiar treasure. Holy nation. Or there's the cloud, and it's the, the justification in the spirit that it's talking about. So there is lots of overlap there. And let's talk about that. Hmm. There's a lot to dive through in the Moses account and stuff, but I'm also, sure. Also, I just read in Joshua that they had to sanctify themselves before they took Jericho and brought the walls down. Yeah. This is so interesting. I don't know why I've never made this connection before. Well, I haven't really read First Timothy that much, I guess. <laughs> but how that's playing in, like, these are very much companion things. I really wonder what DNC is quoting from. It would be interesting to take that section of the Doctrine and Covenants and look at the date in which it was given and what Joseph was reading at the time. Was he reading in Exodus or was he reading in First Timothy? Um, you know, going through so the it's New Exodus nineteen ten. Go into the people and sanctify them. Nineteen ten. And let them wash their clothes. Uh huh. 
So they were washing the inner and the outer vessel, right? Yeah. And be ready on the third day and the Lord will come down. Which is Which, very much bridal imagery mm -hmm. rather than death and resurrection. Well, I mean, it can fit it in could death, be and death and resurrection. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, I'm going to have to like really hash this out in my brain and really ponder on things and stuff. But yeah, anyway, it's just very interesting that this is without controversy. This is plainly taught and that a mystery of godliness is that in the ordinances we actually get the power for god to, to manifest himself unto us while we are in the flesh which i mean we we know all of this but like there's there's new layers of of insight here that i hadn't previously considered Okay, so in 21, it says, and the authority of the priesthood, the power of godliness is not manifest in the flesh. Is that also referring to a marriage covenant? Hmm, yeah. Because without the priesthood, there can be no bride or bridegroom, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, like pulling president Nelson into the, the equation where he's talking about the price of priesthood power and mm -hmm. really focusing in on the temple because without the ordinances and the authority, we can't see God in the flesh. Because we don't have priesthood power. Yeah. And so it won't be able to survive spiritually unless you get it. And what he says, you know, the building of temples won't change your life, but your time in them surely will. The ordinances, the authority, that's where it's at. And we need okay, to see so the face of God in order to live. That takes us then back to, to Luke 24, 53. And we're continually in the temple praising and blessing God. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Because when you said that, I was like, wait, I talked about that. I wrote it down. <laughs> there you go. You've come full circle again. Again. <laughs> I'm glad Another we didn't stop the first time. <laughs> we, better, we better finish up here. <laughs> so, yeah. No, I want to keep studying with you, Cameron. <laughs> Isn't that so interesting that after they i mean they've witnessed the savior right and and that's all fine and good but without the ordinances he's not manifesting to the men in the flesh they want to see him again they just got married to him they want to be with him so they're going back to the place where the ordinances are performed oh and they continue they didn't have the all the ordinances did they have all the ordinances though well, they had the ones for their time right which yeah and so i mean they're going oh he's ascended how do we get him back so or they, how do we get back to him yeah how do we get back to him so they're continually in the temple praising and blessing god because that's where the ordinances are and the power can be made manifest. 
This is really kind of weird for me because I watched that BYU speeches. I need to, no, I watched that this morning. Then I watched somebody else and he talked about, I need to go back and see what it was he talked about because it brought up my patriarchal blessing. Mm -hmm. And all day long, I've been pondering on the power of the priesthood and how to get that power of the priesthood. And then here we are again talking about priesthood power and you brought it and I actually made me think of President Nelson's talk and I wrote it down that in the coming days you will not be able to survive without what is it (laughs) right and then you bring it up again and so it's like okay this is something I really need to go and study more and I'm going to the temple tomorrow Yeah, I'm going to the temple on Friday. I'm <laughs> going to have a whole different mindset taking this. Yeah. Finding other quotes and different things. But I mean, seriously, when you read this, is it not plainly taught <laughs> and without controversy? If you mm-hmm. just actually put in some time and, and look at it. But I, um, what was that other thing, Mother? Sometime this week, we've also... Um, read some scriptures or something that it was like plainly taught um, yeah does that ring a bell yeah and I can't remember we talked about so many things yeah I can't remember <laughs> but there was something else and I'm like is it that plainly and and it was well amazingly unlike last week we stayed very much on topic <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And yeah, and learned quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Holy cow. DNC 84. I'm trying to catch up in my, what was it, 84? Tw- no, let's see, eight or let's see, 19 through 23. Two. Wasn't it 22? That was fun. Okay. Will you just screenshot that? And I don't know if everybody else wants it, but send it. Will you send it out or put it? I don't know. Text it to me or something. Um, what should I call that? What? Uh, godliness. Godliness. And I'm going to share. Even with the link. Copy the link. Here's the the link to that Google Doc that I was working on. And interesting, I just opened up my email and it says church news, quote, put Christ first, unquote, Elder Bednar says, (laughs) 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 which is what Joseph Smith said. (laughs) (laughs) I love it when you kind of like the scriptures begin to unlock. Mm Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I mean, it's, it's things that we've already learned, you know, over the past little while, but like, for some reason, this is like, whoa, how did I never see that before? Well, we, because it's not, neither of those are linked in the scriptures, footnoted in the scriptures. Yeah. And until you read it, like I said, I just saw the mystery of godliness and it was like, that just clicked in my head. It didn't, when I read it today, I wrote nothing about that. Mm-hmm. 
That's a fun one. And it was interesting that like we went through this whole thing and we we're like, oh yeah, we're basically done or whatever. And then you pop back up to the first Timothy. <laughs> 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 Anybody have anything else to pop up? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Speak now. I love that. That was really cool. Yeah. So do we get to do this with the atonement next week? I hope so. <laughs> it was yep. really kind of cool, huh? Mm -hmm. And it was fun seeing how Cameron uh, studies. I like how your brain works. It's fun to watch. I know, because I'm like, ah. I get so, because sometimes it doesn't turn out well. It's just like, oh, I'm on something, and it's just a brain fart. And I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. <laughs> but um, no, but I knew this would because that scripture in DNC is just a mystery of itself. Yes. Um. So for next week, which I didn't tell the other groups, but um since the atonement has quite a bit of scriptures it's one of the longer ones in here we're going to split it into two so for next week we are only going to do the biblical verses so old testament new testament okay. and then the next week after that we'll do book of mormon okay. doctrine and covenants okay. all right oh wait are we doing the um hold on um sunday we're doing the watch party no that's saturday oh saturday okay good because i was gonna say isn't there a morgan philpot zoom yeah that's on friday i believe Is that friday let me look it up really quick um so i should have put it on my calendar the latter-day saints on zoom is uh -huh. Um, I... Well, I thought it was on Larry's Facebook page, but I'm not. Oh, you know where I think? No, I don't see it there. Okay, I yeah, signed up is. for it. Oh no, yeah. So <laughs> I'm just all wrong. Never take myself at face value. So um, Morgan Philpot is presenting Sunday at 7 p.m. Mountain Time. Okay, that's this Sunday. Okay, I just wanted to make sure we weren't overlapping. Uh huh. So, I mean, there's a good chance that some of it will for Sunday um, with our, our group then. Um, but, you know, that's the good thing about the, the way we've got it scheduled now so that you can catch it on Tuesday if you miss the Sunday one. But um, so this starts at 7 p.m. Mountain Center time, and he usually goes long. So we start our book club at 8 p.m. Mountain Center time. Okay. Um, yeah, I've got my family Zoom call, but maybe we'll ask if we can start a little earlier. Because I want to do both. Can you just in the chat? For Morgan's thing? Yeah. Yeah, let me... Um... To register, share this link, and invite your friends to join as well. So once you do, you sh I think that you'll be added to the list, and then you'll receive emails every time that he has somebody coming on. Um, but if not, at least it's for this one. But yeah. Okay. Let's decided a time for the watch party thing. Yes. So the watch party for that documentary thing is this Saturday. 
at 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Um, I, I put the, the link and stuff on Facebook and on um, Learning Zion, and then I'm going to send it out a text message uh, probably tomorrow. Um, People into yeah, that. I better send a text message to everybody to stay only half of the. Yeah, I'm to do that as well. Okay, sorry. The watch party Saturday at seven. At, at six. Six. Okay, mm -hmm. I'm glad I got yeah. that. Morgan Philpotts at seven. Watch party is at six. Different days. <laughs> Not to be confusing at all. Now that we've got rid of the rotating schedule, we're back on the circus. I know that was really hard because things would pop up and it was hard to plan. And so it's better just, it's easier this way. Yep. So um, I just wanted to say that uh, Chelsea did a really good talk last Sunday. Uh -huh. And uh, brought up the second coming to the ward and uh <laughs> it and was released so we're good <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's awesome i was just quoting president nelson and embellishing and mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, good I, I think she went beyond a lot of people's knowledge because of our knowledge of what we've been studying the last couple of years mm-hmm yeah, it's always fun when you can get some. When you can kind of wake people up a little bit. <laughs> like, hi, the second coming's coming <laughs> pretty soon. I actually had a friend reach out to me afterwards and ask for a copy of the talk. She's like, I want that to be my scripture study this week. And I was like, okay. Cool. Okay, but it's not scripture. <laughs> well, there was a lot of quotes and there was a lot of references in there. So I'm like, just skip over the part that I talked and then just those quotes. <laughs> I remember when my daughter's 22 now. So when she was like in Young Women, she was maybe 14 or 15. She came home and she's like, Mom, my Young Women's leader said the second coming isn't going to happen for at least 100 years. She's like, who thinks that? <laughs> and I was like, yes. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> Anyways, she's a little bit of an introvert, so she didn't say anything in class. And so anyway, but I was glad that she recognized that. That was not true doctrine. Mm -hmm. Should I go tell my young woman that the second coming is happening this decade and see what they take to their parents? <laughs> <laughs> uh okay um i know who i was watching i was watching michael b michael rush's latest video and i don't know why because i never watch him but i think i was directed to because what he said brought me back to this power in the priesthood mm -hmm. and he has come up with the same date as the pickerings oh, the same yeah, I thought that was interesting. And he said that he doesn't normally talk about timelines on his videos, too. Uh -huh. All he kind of said was that was his a, most recent one that mm -hmm. it was a Zoom and it was a it was a Q and A, and mm -hmm. but he talked for like two hours, so I didn't just sit. I crocheted for a little bit, and then I got up and started doing things. And the TV was on my bedroom, and the bedroom here is just off the kitchen, so I just turned it up as loud as it would go and kind of listened here and there. But um, because it was so long, but I thought it was interesting. He said 2034. 
I don't oh. remember why he said yeah. that, but I thought a lot of people are coming up with that year. That's super interesting. Long time. So 2034, what is that, 12 years? That's our lifetime. Yeah. How old am I? 92. I'll be 92. <laughs> I was going to say, Mom, you're only in your 60s. <laughs> 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 I know. I was thinking my husband will. Don't be, feel like it. <laughs> I was thinking my husband will be seventy-four. I'll still be in my sixties, but sixty-eight, I guess. So I don't want to stir the pot this late into the thing, but what did everybody think of the church's announcement? Did you see it? I read it at the beginning before we started recording because Cameron said, "What's new?" and I go, "Oh, did you not see the?" Uh, church's thing on lgbtq I yeah what was that marriage i can pull it up hold on my son just put it in our in our family chat so <laughs> wonder, yeah i wonder what our oldest son will say and his husband the church released a statement today on the defense and maintenance of religious freedom by government and the preservation of rights of LGBTQ individuals. The doctrine of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints related to marriage between a man and a woman is well known and will remain unchanged. We are grateful for the continuing efforts of those who work to ensure the Respect for Marriage Act includes appropriate religious freedom protections while respecting the law and preserving the rights of our LGBTQ brothers and sisters. We believe this approach the way forward as we work together to preserve the principles and practices of religious freedom together with the rights of LGBTQ individuals. Much can be accomplished to heal relationships and foster greater understanding. I don't know if you want to keep recording. I, this is I really like this because remember last week I talked about 